right, in our final segment, you know, we started the show talking about how we're going to take a, take a lighter tone, but we kind of got a little bit uh, testy there for a while, didn't we? Let's spend the last segment talking about some fun stuff, and there's no funner source of material, we would say, than the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader Series. So let's delve into that, shall we? Our first quotes here come from the 21st edition of the Uncle John's series. This was titled The Unsinkable Bathroom Reader. <laughs> let's start with section titled Governmental. Starts off by quoting five-time presidential candidate and one-time radio parallax guest Eugene McCarthy has saying the only thing that saves us from the bureaucracy is inefficiency. Adding that an efficient bureaucracy is the greatest threat to liberty. Which caused Uncle John to add, looks like our liberty is safe. With some of the following examples. <laughs> According to the book Great Moments and Goofs, compiled by Leland Gregory, members of the Georgia State Game Commission were fiercely debating the pros and cons of regulating alligator rides. When one alert member noted a typographical error on the agenda, the commission was actually supposed to be discussing whether or not they should regulate alligator hides. Then we have, as part of the 2008 economic stimulus package, the IRS decided to inform citizens that their checks were coming. So they sent out letters to 130 million taxpayers. The cost of sending the letters? $42 million, which apparently was about the same amount the IRS spent a month later to send the real checks. How about this one? From 1999 to 2008, the USDA awarded more than $1 billion to farmers who were no longer living. Farm families were eligible to receive money for two years after the head of the household dies. That was an effort to help them get back on their feet. But after an investigation, however, the Government Accountability Office discovered the USDA had no steps in place to stop the payments. Thus, families continued to receive payments until an heir of the deceased farmer then decided to inform the USDA to stop. According to the GAO's findings, few of the dead farmers' families had contacted the USDA, so most continued to receive checks to this day. Note of the Uncle John's Reader Series, as president, Ronald Reagan preached smaller government and less spending. So why not name one of the biggest and most expensive projects in government history after him? That would be the Ronald Reagan Building and International Trade Center opened in Washington, D.C. in 1998. It's the largest federal building in the district. The only larger federal building, period, is the Pentagon, located in Virginia. And at the time, apparently the Ronald Reagan building boasted the heftiest price tag for a single structure in U.S. government history. That would be $768 million. Uncle John editorialized another ironic fact is that in 1981, the nation's air traffic controllers went on strike and President Reagan fired them all. So in 1998, National Airport in Washington was renamed, yes, Ronald Reagan National Airport. That reminds me of a Bobcat Goldthwait bit on this. There apparently were quite a number of air crashes in the wake of that, uh, that fiasco back in 1981, which caused Bobcat to ask, Gee, gee, I, I wonder why, why there's so many air crashes. Well, uh, maybe, maybe because of the air traffic control, Walt the janitor is not qualified to bring the planes in. How about this one? In the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in 2005, 
the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, purchased 112,000 tons of ice for $24 million. Unfortunately, they were unable to distribute all of it to those in need, so they stored it in cold warehouses. Two years later, the ice was still in storage, and the cost of keeping it cold all that time? $11 million, almost half what it cost to purchase. But it gets even better. FEMA announced later that it didn't know the, quote, shelf life, unquote, of ice, so the stockpile couldn't be reused and had to be melted. The cost of the melting operation? Another $3.4 million. FEMA apparently subsequently announced they were no longer in the business of buying and storing ice for disasters. All right, how about one from the oops file? Apparently, while running for president last time, back in March of 2007, Former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney gave a fiery speech in Florida to a group of fiercely anti-communist, anti-Castro Cuban-Americans. He ended the speech with a rousing phrase delivered in Spanish. Patria o muerte, venceremos. Which translates to fatherland or death, we shall overcome. And apparently Romney's Spanish was impeccable. But its phrase was somewhat poorly chosen because it is the Communist Party's rallying cry routinely used since the 1950s by Fidel Castro at the end of his speeches. All right, Uncle John has a section titled Pronunciation. It notes that the correct pronunciation for the words listed might surprise you. And if you pronounce them differently, don't worry, many people do. But it notes, here's how they were originally meant to be pronounced 50, 100, or 200 years ago. And, according to the dictionary, still should be. The word G-A-L-A, you may pronounce it gala. It's correctly gala. R-E-G-I-M-E, you may pronounce it regime. But the first syllable is supposed to sound as re, regime. Turns out in the word applicable, that's the correct pronunciation. It's not applicable. But the word T-R-A-N-S-I-E-N-T, it's got two syllables, not three. It's not transient, it's transient. And for a guy that used to drive a Honda Prelude, apparently Prelude's not correct. Prelude is not correct. The proper pronunciation is Prelude. And finally, Q-U-A-S-I. Today it's often pronounced quasi but it's more correct to say quasi. All right, the Uncle John's uh, 10th anniversary bathroom meter had some good stuff in it. In one titled, Your Government at Work, we have the following. Turns out Martin Marietta, a Department of Defense contractor, was caught charging the government $263,000 for tickets to the Smokey Robinson concert in, D- in Denver and apparently $20,000 for professional quality golf balls. The reader notes that in 1981, the U.S. Air Force said it could build 132 B-2 bombers for $22 billion. After eight years, it had spent the money, but had only one aircraft. And a year of tests showed the B-2 could perform its missions about 26% of the time, and of course the prototype plane deteriorated in the rain, heat, and humidity. So the Air Force said it didn't want any more B-2s. Congress then proceeded to authorize contractors to build 21 more anyway, at a a cost of $44.7 billion more. And uh, everybody loves the dumb crooks file, don't they? Well, I do. Here's one from the file. Dateline, Oroville, California. 
This is from a Parade magazine in 1996. Thomas Martin, former manager of a jack-in-the-box restaurant, reported he'd been robbed of $307 as the store was closing. He provided the police sketch artist Jack Lee with a detailed description of the suspect. When Lee put his pad down, he observed the drawing looked just like Thomas Martin. When questioned, Martin confessed. And under the title, Shake Your Booties, Dateline, Wichita, Kansas, we have the following. Charles Taylor was on trial for robbing a shoe store at Knife Point, accused of taking a pair of tan hiking boots and $69. As he listened to testimony in court, he propped his feet on the defense table. He was wearing a pair of tan boots. I leaned over and stared, the judge told the reporter later. I thought, surely nobody would be so stupid as to wear the boots he stole to his own trial. But when an FBI agent called the shoe store, he found out the stolen boots were size 10 from lot number 1046, the same size and lot numbers as the boots Taylor was wearing. The jury found Taylor guilty and officers confiscated the boots. Said the judge, we sent him back to jail in his stocking feet. (laughs) And finally, we have the following. In March 1995, a 26-year-old inmate walked away from his community release facility in South Carolina. He was recaptured a week later when he went back to pick up his paycheck. Which caused Uncle John to caption that one. And next week, he's coming back for brains. That about does it for today's program. This program was produced by Edward McMillan, as all of them are. And you've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. We will see you next week at the same time and talk a little bit about the Saturday Morning Folk Show, now a 35-year tradition at KDVS. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? When you were eight and you had bad treats, you go to school and learn the golden rule. Like a bloody fool If you get hot Then you must get cool Bad boys, bad boys What you gonna do? What you gonna do When they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys What you gonna do? What you gonna do When they come for you? You chuck it on that one You chuck it on this one You chuck it on your mother And you chuck it on your father You chuck it on your brother And you chuck it on your sister You chuck it on that one And you chuck it on me Bad boys, bad boys What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Nobody now give you no break. Police now give you no break. That old soldier man now give you no break. Not even your IG now give you no breaks. Uh, this is James Brown, soul brother number one, always fighting. Now I'm fighting for your life. I'm fighting for your life because if you use drugs, you better leave it alone. Drugs are contagious. They're killers. Every drug is a killer. Stay away from drugs. Drugs will take your life away. And if you want to live, stay away from drugs.
because they are super bad, super bad, super bad, super bad, super bad.